Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. Okay, we are back. It's another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. And today I am overjoyed. That's not the word of the season. It's overwhelmed. <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Yes, I am overwhelmed with so much joy, excitement. I am pumped up, fired up because this person when I first met them were a ball of energy busting into quote unquote, the zoom room, like, hello, everyone, I'm here. What's up? Let's do this. It's whenever you meet this person or see this person, it's never a dull moment because they truly shine brightly. I am so grateful that I've had uh, an opportunity recently to meet them in Milwaukee at the age group national championships as well as the hall of fame dinner and it was just like oh my gosh you're you're human oh wow let's do this not knowing what was around the corner and if i would have known what was around the corner it would have been even a bigger party but it's also a great um showcase of where we are in our sport and how we are constantly evolving and growing and definitely um transitioning. That's what I would like to call this, a transition, right? So many of you have have heard of Rocky Harris, who I absolutely adore, and he's been on our podcast before. He used to be uh, the CEO of USA Triathlon and recently got a new job with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Congratulations to you, Rocky. And I was also like, no, Rocky, don't leave. And I was like, yes, Rocky, congratulations. However, he did us a good job. USA Triathlon did us a good job by allowing and bringing to the table none other than our new interim CEO of USA Triathlon, Miss Victoria Brumfield. But before she comes in, let me just give you a little bit of who she is, what she used to do. So Victoria, many of you may know, she used to be the chief business development officer with USA Triathlon. She was also the chief of staff. So she got everybody together. You get out of line, you got to come and see Victoria. Okay. Um, she joined USA Triathlon in 2018, but she started her career back in 1999 working for the first triathlon in New York City. So her triathlon experience goes way back some 20 something years. And she has grown and worked in probably every aspect of the sport. And just like many of us, it's the gateway drug to bigger and better things. And so I get to the pleasure and the honor of welcoming to Try Beginner's Luck, Miss Victoria Brumfield. Hey, Victoria. Hi, Mashonda. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, the way you described my energy, I, I honestly feel exactly the same about you. You bring so much joy to the sport and the community. And we're just excited to have you in the sport and for all that you do for us at USA Triathlon. And I'm really happy to be here today. 
Thank you. I do my role and I do my part. Like some people go and they are elite athletes, right? You have some people who go and they just, they're, they're in it to win it. And I'm here for the joy of it, but also to just encourage other people. And I think we got to know our roles and where we play in this sport. And it's not always about the gold. Cause I think the gold is just trying, like yeah. you, you get to win every time you try. And so the, yes. Okay. We'll get into all the, all the other stuff later, but yes, that's it. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. Okay. So let's get this party started. Victoria, you are busting down ceilings right now. <laughs> busting them down. Better wear a hard hat. A, a hard hat, our <laughs> eyeglasses. What does it feel like? Because I feel like this season is about overcoming. And I think mm -hmm. just with you becoming the interim CEO, that's an overcoming um you've overcome so much just to get to this point. Let's talk about your journey to being interim CEO for just a second. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I just feel like this is a natural progression of what I've been doing for so many years and working for an organization and a sport that I love so much. You know, when I first started at USA Triathlon, I was the first female executive and the first woman to hold a role director or hire. And it's so interesting to me because I, I don't think that that was part of why I was brought in. But what I realized after I was hired is that it was a responsibility that that I held and that I showed to the rest of the organization where we did have a lot of women in the organization, especially in lower roles. But as those roles progressed in in um, responsibility, the distribution of gender changed. And so it was really important to show them that actually we do value female leadership. And actually I had a responsibility to make sure that we had even more female leadership represented at USA Triathlon. And since then you look at our executive leadership team and we have several strong women executives as well as directors. And I'm really proud of the people that we've brought in to lead that represent more of the sport. Absolutely. And you're right. We look at it very differently, but because you've lived it, this is your lived experience. And yeah. for me, I get to witness it. So I'm witnessing it and seeing that this is a good point to make. We never know a person's journey. We only see the success. Mm -hmm. And so the natural progression that you um, have taken for me, it's been like, oh my God, she's here. Yes, I've known you. I know that you've gone through some things and hearing you say it out loud, knowing that you were the first executive, I knew that too, but it, it just seems very different to see you leading the organization from a top perspective. And I think- Well, and Shonda, just something to add to that that's so interesting that I think a lot of women in leadership roles or in any role of representation must feel is that- it's so common that they're in that role because of their skill set, their passion, their commitment, and all of the things that they've done to prove that they're their capacity and that they're the right person at the right time in the right place. So that's common. But what's also common is that we forget that there's a responsibility there that we actually, you know, when, when I came on into this interim role, I was um, brought into a small group of women CEO leaders in the Olympic and Paralympic movement. And this is a group of over 60 national governing bodies for the sport in the United States. And there's like five of us, you know, it's a really small group. And when you, when I 
when I recognized how small of a group it was, it reinforced for me what a huge responsibility it is, not only to show that I am the right person at the right time. And I'm here because of my passion for the sport and the organization and my my understanding of how to grow and support the business, but also because I have a responsibility to make sure that other women in sport know that this is possible for them too. That's it. It's the responsibility part. And I love that you're touching on the responsibility part because it's just like, okay, I'm going to leave it at that because we can go down this rabbit hole, but I appreciate you for being here at this time and for holding, and I don't want to call it a burden, but it's a not, it's a tough job. Yeah. But it's also a great job and it's such a cool opportunity, Mashonda. Like I just, you know, you talked about it earlier. I've been involved in the sport for a really long time. And while I've worked in sports marketing and I've worked in a lot of other aspects of sport beyond triathlon and multi-sport, I absolutely love endurance sports. It's core to who I am. And it's something that I just love doing every single day. And I love the community. And I think it's a really great opportunity for me to work in an environment where I feel like I can thrive and where I can also show other women that they have the opportunity to thrive in sport, in business. And I think that that's something that I want to focus on doing in the future. I love it. So what are your now responsibilities and roles as you're into this new role? What are some of your goals as we move forward with USA Triathlon? So right now, I, I know the theme of this is, is overcoming I mean, the sport and our organization, I mean, we're overcoming probably the most traumatic experience that we've ever had um, coming out of the pandemic. You know, the sport was on an upward trajectory, which we were really excited about in 2019, showing our, our first real growth year in a very long time. Because um, just like other endurance sports, there was a real, a real drop in participation across the world. And, you know, triathlon was a part of that. You've seen it in your market with, you know, great races like the nation's triathlon, you know, going away. And, and what we started to see in 2019 is races coming back and races starting to grow. And then we hit the pandemic and that just, it dropped the floor out underneath all of us. We're a participation-based sport. And so when you couldn't participate, it was devastating to our businesses. And so what we think about now is 2021 was an okay year of stabilization. 2022 was, you know, has been about recovery. And I think going into 2023, it really needs to be about growth again. And so that's where we're focused entirely going into next year. Awesome. So in terms of growth for 2023, because we're still in 2022, what are some of the initiatives if you're will, if you can say them thus far, like what sure. are some of the initiatives that we can look forward to? Well, first of all, we're a grassroots sport, right? Like so many of us were connected to the sport because of the community that we're in, whether it's we were introduced to a coach or it's the local clubs that, 
make up our community and in our regions, or maybe it was a local race. And so I feel really strongly that we need to get back to supporting and connecting the grassroots community around the sport. So whether it's getting those adult clubs started back up again or getting back together where a lot of them just dissolved over COVID, um, that's going to be really important. We also think about when it comes to clubs, igniting high school and collegiate clubs will be really important. We have talked a lot, if you've been following the news with the anniversary of Title IX, we have a fabulous women's NCAA program that we've been building and investing in for years. And those universities need athletes to be coming out of high school, realizing that they can go compete in triathlon competitively in college. And so that's an area where we're really focused as well. And when you go down even younger, youth in the sport were really, really hurt by the pandemic. So youth racing dropped tremendously. And so that's another area where we're really focused on stimulus plans around getting more youth back into the sport through splash and dashes and kids clubs and kids events. So that's an area where we're focused on providing stimulus and initiatives around growth of the sport. And then just supporting our race directors. You know, we've seen a lot of race directors are really struggling right now. There are big races in America, but the heart and soul of the sport is our local community races. And they're all experiencing higher costs and registrations. What we're hearing are down for a lot of those races across the country. And so helping them bridge that gap, especially with the inflation costs right now around the goods and services that they need to support their events. Well, I'm going to say thank you on behalf of everything that you just said, because that's so needed. And with everything going up to have someone and being in a place to support, that's what's needed. Yeah. And even those, you know, people, I know there's race directors that I am in engagement with and they'll let people race, you know, okay, what do you have? Okay, fine. You know, race. And I think that's good too, because it also shows good faith and people remember that. When yeah. they do have, they want to come back and be more supportive. And there are even louder mouthpiece for those. So kudos to what you guys are doing in the vision. And we are excited to see a growth spurt. In I hope so. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting coming out of COVID. There were so many people participating in sport that that weren't previously. So running and biking and just experiencing going out into nature. And I think if we can somehow harness the momentum around that and getting people to realize and understand that you can participate in a triathlon in 25 minutes. You know, I did my first super sprint triathlon this spring and it was the most fun I could have possibly had. And I think it took me somewhere between 23 and 24 minutes. And so I think it's really important to help our friends and family members and, and people, colleagues that, that we associate with realize that you don't have to have a $10,000 bike. You don't have to commit 20 hours a week to training or commit the financial resources to traveling across the world to a race. You can find a local race that has a lot of different formats, right? It doesn't even have to be swim, bike, run. It can be run, bike, run. It can be swim, run. It can be swim, bike. It can be you know, like all these different variations and it, they don't even have to be on pavement. If you're worried about being, you know, training and riding your bike out on the road, they have off-road triathlons or gravel triathlons. And I think that it's really important for us who are committed to the sport, who do identify as multi-sport athletes to find a way to bring more people in and let them know just how accessible the sport really is. 
you hit the nail right on the head when you said you did your first super sprint and it took you somewhere around 24 minutes. I think sometimes when people hear triathlon, they think 13 to 14 hours because they're thinking yeah. about the long course triathlon. Right. And it really isn't because it can be just as simple as a super sprint and you are considered then you are a triathlete, you know, mm -hmm. and I think, I just think that's so important. And thank you for sharing that. Because the more that we can get people to know how accessible it is to do the sport and how easy it is to go. I know in the DC area, we have hundreds of triathlons within a, between 15 to 90 mile radius. Yeah. That's a lot of races. Yep. And if you extend it about another 100, to 120 miles, that opens it up even more. But just between Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, mm -hmm. plenty of triathlons available. So if you're in Georgia, Georgia is a huge triathlon state. Florida, Colorado, yep. Mississippi, well, not, I don't know how many triathlons are in Mississippi, a few. But what <laughs> the point is, there's a triathlon near you. That's it. Yeah. Go to I think that's it's so true, Michonne. And and if there isn't, what we really want is we want people who listen to your podcast who are passionate about the sport, find a way to start a race. Reach out to us and we'll help you figure out how to do it because it really comes down to people are inspired by having something to participate in that celebrates accomplishment, that builds community. And and I think the more we can have it, they don't have to be these really big, formal, fancy, you know, thousands of people races. A lot of our races have a few hundred people in them. And that's great because it means that they're bringing together the community and the regions and the locations that they're in. And that's important, too, is that we want to make sure that people, the people who want to travel, that they can travel, but the people who want to stay local and regional, that they have options to participate and at every distance. And one more point to that, Michonne, I think I'm a great example. You know, I did my first triathlon back in the early 2000s. It was a women's only sprint triathlon and I loved it and I was hooked and I've done triathlons ever since. And I just did my first long distance triathlon this past year. And that was, you know, almost 20 years later. And the, my point of saying that is that you don't have to progress in distance. You can stay doing something shorter and, and just enjoy it for what it is, which is a great way to experience fitness and variety in your life. I don't even need to ask any questions because you're doing such a great job of wrapping everything in a beautiful bow. Create your own triathlon. That's amazing that you guys will help. Our governing body will help you. So if you have an idea, which many of you do, because you write in about it and you have them, here is your opportunity. Yeah. Reach out to USA Triathlon and let them know what your ideas are. And they will work with you to put on an at well, put on a race near you. And you guys can help yep. be the creators of it. And so that's the ingenuity of what we're doing and being able to add your creative spin to it. So I yeah, love and it. One, one quick comment on that. I think another great example is Gabriela Gallegos, who is one of our board of directors. And you probably know her. She's she's incredible. And she actually sits on the executive board for World Triathlon, which is the highest role you can hold in governance in the sport globally for triathlon. And she has this incredible story of she moved to her home 
town of El Paso, Texas, and there wasn't a triathlon there. She didn't have a background in producing races. She was a lawyer, but she realized there's a real gap here. And she started a women's triathlon that's now broadcast on NBC. It's this huge event that sells out every year. And it's a women's only race in El Paso, Texas. And she started it because she realized there was a gap in her market. She loved the sport. And she knew that by creating the opportunity, it would make the sport accessible to more people. And it would create more triathletes just by having the race there. So the vast majority of those women became triathletes because she gave them an opportunity to compete. And I think that that's something that we we forget that we have the power to impact a sport by by recognizing if there's a gap in the marketplace, we can fill it. And it doesn't have to be some big expensive event. You can do it in a pool. You can do it in a local park. And um, that's absolutely something that we would love to talk to anyone in your audience about if it's something they're interested in. There you have it. So let's transition now onto Vic, the athlete. <laughs> oh God, it's going to be a slow conversation. Well, that's okay. We got time. So you did your first sprint in the early 2000s. Let's take us back to what that was like, your swim, your bike, your run. And now let's take you 20 years forward. And what is it like now? And who are you now as an athlete versus who you were as an athlete? Well, I'm a lot more comfortable in spandex than I used to be. <laughs> no, it's it's so interesting, Michelle, that like I work with so many people in sport that have a, a background in sport. You know, they they grew up playing sports competitively in high school or or even younger college. Um, I didn't. I mean, I was a very active person. And so I was always doing something, whether it was snowboarding or skiing or playing golf or horseback riding. I was a very active person, but I never played organized sports. And then you had mentioned I worked for the New York City Triathlon. It was so crazy because I worked on all of these big sports events and you have sports events like wrestling and archery, all these demonstration events that NYC 2012 did to demonstrate their ability to host a games, which eventually went to London. But you and I would never go participate in the world championships of wrestling or fencing or weightlifting. Oh, we got me with my like five pound weights never happened, but we hosted the triathlon and all of these regular New Yorkers came out and participated. And it got me thinking, if these people can go participate in that triathlon, a swim, a bike, and a run, I wonder what I could do. Like, is it possible for me? And what I realized in doing that first triathlon is that, yeah, it was hard and I had to train for it and I learned a ton, but I also realized capacity and potential in myself that I never would have tapped into otherwise. And I think that's what really lit the fire in me to keep doing endurance sports. And, you know, beyond triathlon, I also would race bikes and I participate in running events. And I just, I love the physical challenge and structure of training and racing and, and, and that sense of accomplishment. And so I think looking back to answer your question about what I've learned is one, I would have hired a coach a heck of a lot earlier. And two is I wish I was more comfortable in my body earlier on. I remember being so uncomfortable training for a triathlon in tri shorts and a tri tank. Like I never worn a spandex outfit before. And I was so self-conscious about my body. Like, you know, I loved going to the gym and going to aerobics, but I always had on like a baggy t-shirt and scrunchy socks or like whatever it was. And this really transformed the way I experienced 
my body as as this capable machine that that I actually thought about apparel as something that enabled performance as opposed to something that that hid what I was like ashamed of, to be honest, looking back. And it's really made me accept who I am in a way that I don't think I ever would have without the sport. And I wish I had accepted it earlier, but the sport helped me work through that process that I don't think I would have experienced without it. You hit on so much then, and I appreciate the one thing that resonated the most was being comfortable in spandex, especially the onesies. Yeah. And especially if you have a little bit more to love in the center. Yeah. And it's a little bit more to hold on to the back, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. you know, the, the, the hugs and rolls and the, and you're looking in these yourself in the spandex and you're like, Oh, I look gross. Like, and, and, you, and, and you're that's how you feel at first. Yes. But then once you realize how strong and capable you are by participating in sport, you experience your body differently because now you experience it is this really strong, capable, like, like machine as yeah. opposed to something that you were so self-conscious of before. And I, and I think that, you know, some people may see these spandex outfits as a limitation, but I've actually found it to be so empowering, um, in a way that, that I think only multi-sport and can do. Cause even when you look at running races, right? Like people are still running, you can run in a t-shirt, um, but you can't swim in a t-shirt. And I think, I think that that's what our, our sport forces you to, to accept and love who you are by the nature of what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have to agree. I did a race this weekend, um, in Maryland and, uh, this young lady I met through no limit endurance coaching, uh, Christy, Christy, Ware, I think that's her name. She took a picture of me. <laughs> in my little onesie. Mm -hmm. And this is my first time putting on this onesie. And I was like, I just want to try it, make sure I like it. And I looked at the picture and at first I was like, that is not a good angle. Why did she take it from that angle? But you know what I did? I didn't judge it. And I didn't say it out loud. I mean, until just now, I just said, you know what, whatever I'm sending the pictures and wherever they go, they go. If it's out, it's out. It's me. It's who I am. It's my body. And guess what? I finished. And so and survived another round of jellyfish. So that's in it of itself an overcoming statement. However, it, it made me think about how suits have evolved mm -hmm. and how people are being more thoughtful of caring about body types and how they're making right. um, the suits. And I think that's important. And so all of that to say, when you feel good, when you're racing, you do perform a little bit better. And if you're self-conscious about how you look, you're already putting yourself at a mental disadvantage. And I've done that so many times, you know, wearing things to try to cover up because I wasn't 100% comfortable how I looked in um, the spandex. Yeah. And this is the first year I've been like, the hell with it. I'm who I am. I love me. And mm -hmm. if you don't like it, that's your problem. Close your eyes, but I'm good and I'm here for it. So thank you for stating that because I think so many people, including men have body 
shame when it comes around wearing onesies and tryout tryouts yeah. because they have to be skin tight on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, technically it's so that you can swim and bike and run in, in a single outfit. And, and I think that also something to note is that I think it's actually really empowering and inspiring to have body diversity out on the, on the course. And I can't even tell you how many times I've been to races and I've heard somebody in the crowd say, oh my gosh, that person looks like me. If they can do it, I wonder if I can do it. And I think that that's really important going back to our point of not every triathlon has to be some epic 13, 14 hour race, which by the way, there's a lot of shapes and sizes in those long races as well. But even as the races get shorter, you know, it's our version of a 5k. And if you went out to a 5k, a run walk, you would see people of every size and shape and background. And that's what's beautiful about a community 5K. And I think that a lot of our local races can be the community 5K and that everybody should feel the confidence that they can go in and participate in some way and feel great about themselves and their accomplishment. I love it. Just love it. Okay, we're going to move on from that because we can probably talk about that, Vic, yeah. all day. <laughs> So tell me, you talk a lot about biking and being a competitive amateur cyclist. Mm -hmm. What is that like for you? And yeah, what is that like for you? I think, and maybe this comes back to the theme of overcoming is I've always been a really motivated, driven, ambitious person. But for me, it was always the love of challenge. It wasn't about winning. And I think maybe that's because I didn't grow up playing competitive sports. And here's what's so interesting. Like even when I started participating in running events or triathlon, it was never about winning, right? It was about crossing the finish line and getting the medal. And in my late 20s, I started doing bike racing. And bike racing is like, you know, Peloton style, Tour de France, elbow to elbow, like racing in a pack. And when I first started doing these bike races, I was just, my goal was to just finish with the pack because if you're off the back, you're done, you go home, you know? So it was like, it was all about being able to just stay. And I did that for probably a year and I never like made a podium or was top 10 unless there were less than 10 people in the race. Like it was just, I was just happy to be there. And I remember doing this one race and it was in Hunter Mountain, New York. And I remember making it into the front selection of the group and just for a moment thinking, I wonder if I could win. Like, I wonder what would happen if I went for it. And I did. And I did a sprint finish and I won by like three bike lengths. And then I won every single race after that for, you know, whatever it was, the rest of the summer. And then I got in my head and I started like losing again. But, but what that helped me realize is that confidence in sport is so closely translated to confidence in life and what you believe is what will happen. And it's changed my mindset to believe that I can win. If there's something that I really want to do and I'm willing to fight for it, I can get it. I just have to believe in it. I have to commit to it and I have to put in the work to prepare for it. And so looking back on bike racing, it was such an incredible experience for me because it shifted in my mind what was possible for me that, yeah, I can be the hardest worker and I can grind it out, but I can also perform. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. And so that for me changed the way I experience my life. Um, so I really value bike racing for that. Um, 
I don't really race bikes anymore because now I'm, I'm back to just enjoying, you know, being part of the, of the pack and, and being part of races where it's about crossing the finish line. And it doesn't really matter about time, but in that point in my life, that was a, a really critical moment for me. Yeah. You, you, you said a couple of things that I think is worth emphasizing challenge versus winning, but then your mindset shift shifted and then you were able to get in and dial in into that winning. And I think there's a time and a place for that. But I also think what I love about athletics, and I know there's studies out there that I'm just going to butcher, but I'm going to say it to the best of my ability is when you participate in athletics, it does elevate who you are, whether it's in the classroom, um, at work, you know, your mental fortitude and mental proudness elevates because you're able to think differently and strategize a little differently. And I think too, the sport of triathlon is really strategic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hella mental, but it's strategic too, because you have to think, you have to do math. You're thinking and you are like, okay, if this happens on my swim, how can I make up this time on the bike or in my transition? How do I make up this time on the run? So you're constantly thinking. And the other thing that you said, which I really love because I'm learning a lot about that right now, as I am um, just in living life, is the value of positive visioning. Mm-hmm. And, so what, and what you say matters and what you say materializes even if you're the most positive person in the world it's a difference between being positive and what you're telling yourself about what you're going to do yeah and that's the difference I think I have two examples of that one going back to bike racing we used to race in Central Park in New York and it's just loops and I lived on the west side of Central Park and if in my mind I thought oh, I could actually just exit the park right now. I could just leave right now. As soon as I thought that, I'd be off the back. Like as soon as your mind wanders into an exit strategy, somehow you become off track immediately. And I recognize that in bike racing. And most recently I've been doing these really long, epic rides. So I did Unbound Gravel the last couple of years. It's over 200 miles, you know, off-road in the middle of nowhere, gravel, crazy weather, like mud, all the things. And what I recognized in that event about myself is that it's a hundred percent about how not just the positive thoughts, but to your point of what you tell yourself and what you believe. And I just kept telling myself, like, I'm going to finish this thing. I'm strong enough. I've prepared for this. I can do this. And I think it's those thoughts when the reality is you're going to hit really low points. Um, But when you can stay positive in those low points, that's what gets you to the end. There's a a quote that I love from Rebecca Rush that said, no matter how good or how bad things feel, it won't last. And the key is don't get stuck on when it feels good that you can't get through when it feels bad. And so that's something I think about, not just in sport, but in life, right? Like every day is going to have hard moments. You know, like I absolutely love this job and I absolutely love this organization, but it's a hard job. And there are definitely moments where things can get feel lonely and or, you know, feel hard. And I think it comes back to what you believe and what you tell yourself and how you commit to how you're going to operate every day. I love it. 
I think that is so paramount and so true. And I'm going to move on from there. There it is. <laughs> just going to move on. We're going we're gonna to drop the mic on that because that was good stuff. <laughs> so as I want to talk, I want the... I want the listeners to know a little bit more about you as a multi-sport athlete. We talked about you as interim CEO. We talked about you as a uh, a competitive cyclist, but now you as a multi-sport, what's your, if I had to pick your favorite, I would probably say it's the cycling. <laughs> yeah, but so, I love all of it. I love all of it. And go ahead. What's your area of, strength where you have to put in that mental fortitude to overcome. Okay. So I think, I think it's different for each sport and I'll talk a little bit about it. First, hiring a coach was the best thing I ever did because what a coach helped me do was to figure out how to lean into my strengths and how to not overtrain and how to not undertrain in certain sports. So, you know, obviously we, we do more of the things we enjoy and less of the things we don't enjoy. Um, and I think also just to digress for a moment, one of my weaknesses in multi-sport and just in training in general is when I train on my own without someone helping me, I always overtrain. Because I have in my head that like more is always better, but actually more isn't always better. And so having a coach has helped not only push me in doing more specific work, but pushed me in holding back and recovering when I need to recover. And that's been that's been critical for me to have the capacity to do all that I do. Um, when it comes to how I train train. It's really interesting. I'm, I'm actually kind of a, a loner. Um, I, I really prefer to train alone, but what I found is I love swimming in a group. So I joined a master swim team. I swim in the slowest lane. Um, I absolutely love the people that I swim with and it becomes this social group dynamic that I genuinely love getting into the pool and it keeps me in the pool for an hour. Whereas if I went and swam by myself, I'm like a 20 minute swimmer. So I've just, I've really found joy in the master swim group that I've been swimming with. So I love that. Um, when it comes to biking, you know, I like, I just love riding my bike. So that's never been a challenge for me. And I do a mix of indoor and outdoors. You know, I live in Colorado and it's beautiful year round, but it's cold in the winter. And so I do, because I have to do most of my training very early in the morning, um, I typically do that on the trainer and it's a great way. I was on the trainer this morning, was watching uh, the movie Elvis. So, you know, like I get in lots of great movie watching at like 4.30 in the morning, which is great. Um, and then running, I don't run a lot. Um, I, I love running. I tend to fall apart physically when I run more. So I usually only run three times a week. Uh, when I was training for an Ironman last year, I think I built up to four times a week, but a couple of those were really short 20 minute runs off the bike. So while I love to run, it's probably the thing that I do the least. So do you still have a coach today? Because it I sounds do. like you are a huge advocate for coaching and I, am. I want to co-sign on that. Okay. Yeah. Not that we are like the same, but I feel like we have. I would love it if we were the same. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would too. But I think our experiences have been the same. I think for me, when I got my first coach, it was a game changer. 
before yeah. I was training with a group of people and that works for people who it works for. Yep. But for me, I need dedicated, detailed instructions on what to do. Tell me what I do. Give me feedback mm-hmm. improve and moving forward. And I do think it's a game changer. It's an expensive. It's a no, 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 no. It's not expensive. It can be. It, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can be. However, it is, if it's a priority for you and you yeah. can do it, you will make the ability to do it. And there's so yeah. many wonderful coaches at so many different levels. And, you know, I'm thinking about a coach that I get to work with in and out every single day with the podcast, Maria, you know, and she has multiple ways. She's like, Hey, listen, if individual coaching, isn't your thing, you got group coaching. If group coaching, isn't your thing, you got this. And so I think there's ways that you can do multiple things. And, you know, I've had two coaches, Zan and Lloyd, and although they're very different, you find somebody that works for you. Yeah. And you, you ride with them and interview your coaches. It's so personal, Mishana. You have so to interview personal. your coach. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, I think five different coaches over the course of, of my coaching career, which um, I've been coached from 2007, probably until now, with the exception of one year, I didn't have a coach because I was traveling all the time. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. When I did that, I ended up having a stress fracture and, you know, a lot of issues because of course I over, I overtrained. Um, but it's so interesting when I look back on my coaching experiences that were just phenomenal, including my coach now, first of all, it's like a friend, you know, I love that I have somebody to talk to every week about how I'm feeling about my training and what I'm training for and how I'm feeling, you know, about my workouts, but she's also become like, she's just like a a life coach and a friend. And one of the things I love, it's like, you know how Steve Jobs wore the black turtleneck every day. So we didn't have to think about what he was going to wear. I have no mental space taken up thinking about what I'm going to do because my week is laid out for me. I wake up and I've got in my work, in my calendar, what my workout's going to be, what I need to do, what performance looks like, what, you know, what I should be thinking about. And I never have to think about it. And what I love is it, it creates this structure in my life that creates simplicity in my life. So that the thing that I love doing exercise for me is therapy. When I exercise, it helps me process. It creates space in my heart, my soul, my mind all of these things. And I love that. I don't have to, I have no angst about deciding what my workout is. It's laid out so that it truly is my therapy every day. And I think that that's significantly contributed to the fact that I have a coach who knows me, who I've worked with for a long time. Now I wear my my ring that imports my sleep data and my heart rate variability. And she's so in tuned to what's happening in my life that she, you know, she called me the other day and said, Hey, it looks like you're just really feeling fatigued. What's going on. Do we need to adjust your workouts? Do you need a recovery week? And I love that support and connection around the sport that fulfills me. For those of you, because I the, the the way I have this, if you're viewing this, you couldn't see what I was doing, but as she was talking, I was like, yes, yes, yes. amen, amen, because 
<laughs> that's all that goes right there. I mean, it's definitely a game changer. So speaking of you have this coach and even though your coach is your coach, race day is something very different. Give me a time in which you've had to overcome on the tri-course at a triathlon <laughs> or your most memorable overcoming experience. Yeah. Well, my first, my first time doing the Chicago triathlon, maybe 15 years ago, I showed up and didn't even start to get ready until about eight o'clock. I don't know, seven fifty at night and realized I forgot my helmet and shoes. <laughs> and I had to, I had to go down to the expo and like, you know, spend a million dollars on a new helmet and shoe. I was like screaming, like who's open? Cause the expo was closing. Um, so that was probably, that taught me to prepare a little bit more. I've done so many mistakes, Mashonda. One time I, I went to a triathlon and I, I put together my bike and didn't go on a pre-ride. And I, I went to get on my bike in transition and I turned left and the handlebars turned, but the, the wheel stayed straight. Cause like I didn't tighten anything down. Um, so I made a lot of mistakes. I think the biggest challenge for me looking back was when I did my first full distance triathlon last year, you know, I've done quite a few halves, but I'd never done a full. And it was such a mental challenge going back to what we were talking about earlier in staying just not, no, I'd never done it before. So I didn't know if I could do it, but I had to believe I could do it. And there were some really low points um, where I just, my stomach wasn't settling and my body hurt and, you know, it was dark and it was just, it was so challenging mentally. And I think that really forced me to dig deep and just believe that I could do it. And, you know, I trained for it and I knew I was capable of doing things for a long time because I'd done a bike race that had actually lasted even longer, you know, previously earlier in the year. So I knew I was physically capable and it all came down to just staying committed and crossing the finish line was one of the most rewarding things I've ever done because it was such a struggle. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about triathlon is that no matter what the distance, it's a massive accomplishment because you're pushing your body to do things that, you know, swimming, biking, and running or whatever variation that you're doing that are so physically challenging, mentally challenging, and and you have to stay committed because there's so many bailout points. Every time you hit transition, that's a bailout. Every time you hit an aid station, that's a bailout. But you don't choose to take the bailout. You choose to finish. And I think that that's the thing I find most fulfilling in the sport. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's always an opportunity to bail out. But every time you try, it's an opportunity to overcome because yeah. every distance presents its own set of challenges. You know, whether you're swimming in a river, swimming in a bay, swimming in an ocean, you know, riding in torrential rains, riding in the sunshine, riding in extreme heat, there's always mm -hmm. going to be a challenge and it's always going to be an opportunity to overcome. And so- mm -hmm. Oh boy, I tell you, this is good to me, I tell you. Um, what is your most significant athletic accomplishment? Well, I think my most significant, well, I'm going to go back to that bike race I won in my, you know, in my 20s. Mm -hmm. That was the most significant to me because it helped me realize that if I, if I wanted to, 
something and I fought for it. And if I was prepared for it, I could do it. And to your point earlier, it's not about winning, but in that moment for me, it was, it was that tipping point for me to realize that I was capable of more than I realized I was capable of. So that's probably one of the most pivotal moments for me. One of the greatest accomplishments though, was when I finished my first unbound gravel and it took me 18 and a half hours. So the, <laughs> I ate a lot of Uncrustable sandwiches. It was, <laughs> was really long But they're so great. Oh they're my God. <laughs> okay. mm. So that's, that's probably my biggest phys- physical accomplishment. Okay. Okay. When you think of the future of Vic, what comes to mind? in sport, yeah, in career, in life. Honestly, Mashonda, what I value most is I want to have an impact. And I want to have an impact in something that I really care about. And so I think that's why I'm so excited about this role at USA Triathlon because I believe in the sport. You know, I started participating in the sport when it was on this massive upward trajectory and just, it was booming and it was the new golf and people were participating and there were big races popping up everywhere. And it just, it felt like the it sport to do. And I truly believe that that's still who we are. And if I can be part of an organization that can help reignite and pour gasoline on that growth in a, in a good way, then, then that to me will be the most fulfilling thing I can do. But overall, I just, I want to work with people that I, I respect and value and enjoy working with. I want to have an impact and I want to feel like I'm learning and growing always. And those are the things I value. I love that. Now, what about in sport? Like well, when I'm you participated, yeah. like what is it that you want to participate or challenge yourself? Because remember, it's about the challenge. I know. So what's going to be the next challenge for Vic? Well, what I always think about, I have this, I have an obsession with bikes. And so my, my next challenge will be an outcome of like, what, what's the next cool bike that I get? Um, but I really want to do another long distance triathlon. Um, I loved I love the training and the accomplishments. So I, I think that's on my radar. Um, I would love to do some long distance trail running. Um, and then I'll probably do some more bike races. I just, I, I did uh, the Leadville 100 this past summer and that was really fun. I'd love to do that again. So just spending more time outside and doing these epic events that get you out into nature and you know, give me something to work toward. I love to have something to work toward. If you can't tell, like I need, I need something on the calendar always to be working toward. I'm kind of like you. It, it helps to keep you focused and organized. Yep. And then that's the one thing you don't have to think about, especially when you have a coach because it's laid out for you. And that's the one thing in your day, especially if you're a person who have to make decisions all day long, that's yep. one decision that you don't have to have decision paralysis over. So exactly. There it is. There it is. Oh, this has been so good. Of course, we'll have to have you back. I think there's so many different angles that we can go, but what we hit on today was so important. We hit on, you know, you being uh, the first USA T interim CEO. We talked about women's issues on the bike, body consciousness, self-consciousness. We talk about different ways you've overcome being a cyclist, being a multi-sport athlete. We we hit on some really cool things today. I think that will give people a little bit of a synopsis of who you are 
and how you show up and how you will show up in your new role. So thank you so much for being here, but you know how it goes. We have some questions that we're going to ask you that are rapid fire Uh um, (laughs) that you probably have heard before, but everyone has a different answer and a different response to it. So we are going to ask you a few of those questions and then wrap up for today, but we definitely will have you back. Is that cool? That sounds great. All right. All right. First question on the docket. Let's see. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Okay. I I think this is more of a personal question because this will dictate if we're really like similar. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite genre of music? Ooh. Well, let me answer. Let me leave with this. (laughs) One of my favorite things to do, and I haven't done it in a while now, is teaching spin classes. Ah! <laughs> Did I scream like that? Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listeners, I am so sorry for everyone. Yeah, I just, I, just I absolutely love it because I, I love, I love seeing people get passionate about staying fit, getting on the bike. And so when I think about music that I love, I really only think about music now in the sense of what would go into a spin mix. So in, in my genre, I love to mix my genres, right? Like I need to always have a little bit of like seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands and modern. And like the modern stuff is usually more like a little bit more techno. Like, you know, I've got like, got to have my nineties hip hop, got to have my eighties rock. So I I like to have, I like to have a whole mix. And if I can get like a seventies disco remix, that's like, that's always a, a good, a good one. Okay. Even Did I lose you in the 70s disco remix? No, you didn't. But my smile, I've been smiling so hard that my my cheekbones are like, you know how you get that muscle in your <laughs> Okay, so I don't talk about this often, but I am also a spin instructor. And you I are? Think I am. I love I that. have been spinning. I've been a spin instructor for, I, I stopped last year. So last year was my first year of probably just being a sub, you know, once mm-hmm. my brother passed away, I was like, you know, I don't feel like if I can't give you 100%, I'm yep. not going to show up and give you half. Yep. But on the days when I felt like I could, I would pick up a sub assignment just to get in there because it's something different when you yep. get to get in there and, 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 and lead a class. And so to hear you say that and to hear the similarities, I think that's why our energies have matched and, <laughs> and how we think about just life. And there's certain... I think spin instructors have a unique role because you really have to be thoughtful of everyone in yeah. the class and the music. Cause if your music isn't right, it is a wrap. Yep. Um, so thank you for saying that and for taking the long road to get to the great answer <laughs> that further showed me that we are one. Yes. Vic. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Sorry. We, oh, I apologize. Love this. Okay. Isn't that funny though? I'm going to digress. Like literally every song I listen to, I'm like, okay, now what kind of like, what, what, what's the RPM on this one? Like, right. what I, is this, is like, this like a heel song? Oh, is it? Yeah. Like that's, that's how I experience music. I do. And as an announcer who also occasionally, depending on which, um, who I'm working for at the time, I have the ability to bring music, which mm-hmm. allows me to bring the finish line party to the the finish yeah. line, which yeah. I kind of like it when I have the music because that also helps with your personal energy as you're calling mm-hmm. 
um, as you're calling people, are, are, you know, to, to come to the finish line. But it matters, like the beats matter. Yep. You know, the pulses, the, 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 it, it just matters. And, and when you feel it as a, I don't know about you, but I do this sometimes, like I'll be walking or in the house cleaning and I will play the list and, you know, visualize it before I actually write out what I want right. to play with it because I need to be able to feel them. Okay. We're doing too much for a well, rapid and, fire. And I know this is like the, this is the slowest rapid fire ever, but <laughs> But one of the things I love is I love seeing how music lifts people up. And, yes. and when it comes to like a spin class or even at an event, it's so important to have a variation of music because yes. different music is going to speak to different people. And Mashana, like one of the things I just love seeing people respond to and experience something that lifts their cadence or yes. lifts their spirit or drives their motivation. Yes. You see somebody like who's just dragging and then who knows what it is like journey could come on, you know, like, and, and it will just like all of a sudden they come to life or, you know, what, whatever it is, right? Like I played the new Beyonce song and I thought a woman was going to like jump off her bike. She was just so like, it just lit her up. And for me, like, that's what I love is yes. using sport and music to bring out of people something that they wouldn't get on their own. Yes. Okay. Oh. Next question. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm back. The cheeks are rolling up. I, I can't move my face because <laughs> they're just, again, I'm so glad. Okay, fine. All right, Michelle. <laughs> Since you are a cyclist and you love to cycle, where's your favorite place to cycle? Can I give two places? Sure. So there's no better place in the world than Central Park, New York City. I don't think people realize what an incredible place New York is for endurance athletes. It is a six mile closed loop fully lit that you go out anytime between 4am and 9am in the morning. And it is like the tour de France. It is amazing. And you can ride and feel safe, which I absolutely love. And I think outside of New York, it's hard to ride in the dark and feel safe just because of cars and the road. So in Colorado, there is incredible riding here. And there is actually a loop that I love called the Gold Camp Loop. And it's this old mining road cut out of the mountain. And most of it's closed to traffic. It was like where they used to, I don't know, use like rail cars or whatever they did to move like gold. I'm making that up. I'm just, it's called Gold Camp. So I'm assuming there was gold. But it's just this beautiful, quiet, pristine trail that I ride my mountain bike and gravel bike on. And there's something about it that's just so meditative and you feel connected to nature in a way that it's, it's hard to um, when you're on city streets. And I just absolutely love that. Okay. I love it. What's one thing you always carry with you, whether at any race? At any, oh, I was going to say chapstick, but at a race? Um, <laughs> that could be a thing too. What I always carry with me at a race is probably an Uncrustable sandwich. They're my go-to. I love those things. The Nutella ones? Oh, forget about it. Oh, I haven't yeah. tried Nutella. Oh my God. Yeah. You haven't lived until you've had okay. So that's on my list to go to the grocery store this weekend so I can have it for one of my rides. All right, <laughs> Uncrustable Nutella. Let's do it. Are you a transition minimalist, Goldilocks where everything is just right, or are you a hoarder, bring everything because you need to see it laid out? 
Oh, minimalist. Oh, okay. All right. Um, at the end of a race, beer, wine, water, soda. Um, probably just like water and then a good meal. Like I love, I love going to have brunch after a race. Okay. Assuming I finish at a time where brunch is still served. <laughs> yes, that is a key thing. So what does your brunch consist of? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty standard vegetable omelet, the avocado. Okay. Toast. Okay. I love it. Um, bike that we question that we always ask pee on the bike or get off and take a pop or pee. Oh break. my God. How do people do that? I just, I don't even pee in the wetsuit. <laughs> I just use the porta potty. I'm like, I have the longest transitions of all time. Wow. Yeah. Well, the moment that you're introduced <laughs> to peeing on the bike, you will never turn back. Really? I think so. Oh God. I, I don't so. know. I just, I just look at all those poor volunteers taking, <laughs> taking timing chips off people's ankles. And I'm like, Oh, I hope they didn't pee on themselves. <laughs> I'd have to wash my bikes more, I guess, if I did. Oh, I wonder if that's against the rules. Is that a USAT rule? You can't pee on yourself. Oh no, you can. Oh, you can? Okay. oh yeah. That's, just... I, I don't think there's any official who would want who would want to regulate that? <laughs> I could just see, I could just see them like two minus two minutes pee on the bike. Minus two minutes. <laughs> oh, that will be a maybe job. That, maybe that's why Cervello named their triathlon bikes the P series. Ah, I'm sorry. This is too much. But we did talk about this in our pre-meeting that. It was going to get so loud that we would have to adjust the sounds. We're sorry in advance for your ears on this one, because this is really the P-series. That's good, Vic. That's good. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an honor, a joy, a thrill. It's been amazing to speak with none other than Victoria mm -hmm. Brumfield, known as Vic, who is the first female interim CEO at USA Triathlon. But other than that, she is a fellow triathlete, multi-sport athlete. She's a cyclist. She is a uh, dog mom to Betty. She has <laughs> two adorable cats, Dolly and Cher, hence all of the names of great music artists that she listens Strong to. women, strong women. <laughs> And she has an endless supply of bike, a bike collection. And you know, the saying is how many bikes do you need? N plus one. N plus so one. How many bikes do you have? I, I'd have to count. I, I've been getting rid of some. I think I only have like six right now. So. Okay. Name but I need to, I need to upgrade the collection. So, you know, I'm starting to, I'm starting to work on that. Okay. So six bikes. Let's see if I can name them. You have a gravel bike. You mm -hmm. have a road bike, mm -hmm. you have a tri bike, mm -hmm. you have a beater bike, mm -hmm. you like have a bike, yeah. Okay, a commuter. Mm -hmm. You have a mountain bike, mm -hmm. and you have it's a second road bike. So. A second road bike. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, see, that's good. Come yeah, on. but I. 
but I have had, I've, I've downgraded. I've had a fat bike and a cyclocross bike in addition to that. So, but what, what I really want now is I want a new, I want a new time trial bike. It's just, it's wild. Like the inventory is so limited right now still. So, yeah. you know, part of my morning routine is checking my bike inventory availability. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that. Where do you even keep all the bikes? Well, what was wild when I lived in New York in my tiny little apartment, I had them all in there. It was like, there was no place. You had to like sit on a bike because there was like nowhere else to sit. (laughs) But now I live in Colorado. So, you know, I have a garage. It's like, I'm living like a queen. Because you are the queen. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we're in it. The queen of USA Triathlon, our interim CEO. Victoria Brumfield. And with that said, whenever you try, you always win. Thank you for listening. Share this with your friends. Retweet it, tweet, Instagram it, share, slide in our DMs if you want to. But most importantly, we want you to try. My name is Mashonda Shines and I'm out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.